Welcome to the Hotbox Heroes, and this is the Combat Corner. Welcome back to Hotbox Heroes, and today on the pod, I got my boy with me, one of my best friends, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Yo, uh, my name is Bruno. Been watching MMA now for like 10 years. It's actually one of the foundations of our friendship. Let's talk about this shit. And yeah, I used to watch boxing. But as soon as I watched my first full MMA fight, I fucking threw that shit away. I said, fuck <laughs> that. MMA all the way. And yeah, it's been like that ever since. I've been obsessed ever since. You know, same. Both of us, 10 plus years of of watching MMA and also having karate slash boxing slash MMA backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Tell them what you got and tell them what you started and I'll tell them what I started in. All right, Go cool. I started off in Kyokushin Karate, which is a Japanese style of karate where it's more so based on conditioning and I would say kind of special moves where the special moves relate a lot about kicks and different various types of kicks. But yeah, karate background, conditioning background, some wild conditioning that goes into Kyokushin Karate. 100%. You know, it's for anybody that, you know, needs to, like, level up their body, like, strength-wise and and just really every way-wise, look into Kyokushin Karate, you know, make your shins harder, fist stronger. And then, you know, I did Tiger Showman's MMA, which was my first introduction to MMA. And MMA, I pretty much love MMA, you know, the versatility of it all, the ground and pound, the standing up. It's it's a great sport where you could, you know, test your body and mind. But for me, it's more so, I guess, testing my mind now because I've been more so on conditioning. And I feel like, you know, conditioning got a lot to do with a fighter, you feel me? Mm. Mind and body. For sure, for sure. Yeah, the the greatest champions always have the best conditioning. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, because you could always fall back on that, and you see that a lot in the UFC, most combat sports, but UFC specifically. Yeah, facts. And um, I come from a boxing and a judo heavy family. You know, mm-hmm. from Poland. Yeah. Um, I have a boxer on my mother's side. My dad wasn't much of a boxer in the professional sense, if you get what I'm saying. But he was a very high-level judoka in Poland. And so I've always been around it. And then when I got to a certain age, I got into... Well, first I got into Muay Thai, uh, not really knowing what it was anyways. But I have a Muay Thai and jiu-jitsu base. Yeah, and I just try to interchange all the other things that I've learned into that, you know. But yeah, white and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that's the base. One thing I would like to say that I think you would agree with too is that you know, no matter what base your foundation is on, once you have that solid foundation in whatever style, it's, you could build upon that much more easily. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. The, the masters of, you know, there's MMA is supposed to be well. It's all about being well-rounded. And you see people get exposed when they only know one thing. But if you are a true master of one of the 
professions you learn in, as long as it's um, sturdy enough, you know. I used to look down at karate a little bit. For a while. Um, I just, I just, because you see karate get exposed a lot. You put yeah, a karate you guy against a Muay Thai guy. You put a karate guy against a boxer. But then there are different forms of karate. You know what I'm saying? Just like how you said the um, the one that you were training in, Kyoshi. Can you say it Kyo, right way? Kyo Kushin Kai Karate. Exactly. So there are different forms of it. And as we see, we have examples, you know, the best example of all time, Wonder Boy. Yeah. Um, perfecting it. And once you perfect a craft, you could work around it and make it functional for MMA. And that's the beauty of the sport. Or you could go overall well-rounded or you could have two things that you're really good at. And that's the beauty of the sport, you know? You know, a little fun fact. I don't know if you knew, but... You know George St. Pierre, mm-hmm. GSP. Yep. He yep. actually is a Kyo Cushion karate guy. Yep, exactly. He started with, oh. with um karate and then you see throughout his career as it changes, he goes super into the grappling aspects of everything. You wouldn't oh. even know. Yeah, but... he ties he ties everything in so well. <clears throat> exactly. So I would say there are probably five, six forms of martial arts that you can tie in well together and it will work either way you know i'm not going to say an aikido guy is going to come into mma and thrive but you know you put a judo guy in there you put a karate guy if you use it the right way it's going to work yeah you could for judo a good example would be uh fucking khabib yeah even though khabib is a sambo wrestler he said that judo is his favorite um sport and if it was more fun though if judo itself was more functional towards the sport of mma in terms of how they compete, I think we would see a lot of judo guys coming in and dominating. You know, we'll see a lot of people coming and dominating, but I would say for that to happen, we would need to see more people, you know, tie in the styles better. You feel me? Yeah, 100%. Early early on in the UFC, we didn't see people tying stuff in as well. And now where we are in the evolved form of MMA now, what, 30 years into the business of it being big UFC? We see people tying it in perfectly, and we don't see that one-sided type of fighter anymore. Even if you have a strong boxing base, a strong whatever base, you're going to tie in some takedown defense. You're going to tie in some things that make it you know, completely viable in today's sport. As I said before, you feel me? Whatever style or background you're coming from, once you build and master that and build upon it, you, you would excel in the fighting sport. Mm-hmm. I also want to say for the people listening, we're not only going to talk, you know, UFC. Obviously, we're going to talk UFC and MMA. But, you know, when there's a boxing fight or any other type of fighting sport coming on, we will talk about it. Mm-hmm. Give our thoughts. But back to what we're here for. And one of the things I want to talk about first is a fight that I liked. One of my, I would probably say top 10, top 20 fights. Is definitely the Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald fight. Mm-hmm. Astounding so, fight. Yeah, man. To me, that just shows the endurance you need to have as a fighter. You know, that's the real fighting spirit. Modelo, sponsor the kids. <laughs> Boy, you know, also, shout out to Robbie. I know he retired. That was a hell of a highlight reel. His whole career was just crazy. And it's an amazing way to go. A lot of times we see 
uh, fighters that are at the end of their fighting days get put out, get destroyed in their last fight. Choked for him out. to finish it on a positive note and get that knockout. And to see some emotion from Robbie Lawler, who was, you know, known to be very stoic and very uh, unemotionless, you know, was very nice to see in his last fight when they showed him the highlight reel and all that. And just the that he, he finished on a win, you know, that's a great way to go. He finished on a win and he finished on one of the fastest wins, too. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for being an older guy and then being Robbie Lawler on top of that to have a a fast win and a knockout win was like, I was very that's... happy to see that but I did not expect it whatsoever and especially in that form like I I didn't even see the shot when it happened listen all I did was when I saw Robbie's match coming on I went on FanDuel I put a dollar and I won three dollars off of that so shout out Robbie feel me I had faith since the beginning mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that Rory McDonald fight I'm not sure where if Rory McDonald might be in Bellator now or he just, you know, chose a different career path. But in that fight, we saw not only combos being pieced up, we saw, you know, a lengthy, tall fighter versus, I guess you could say a stoic, more head-on fighter. Mm -hmm. Very boxing heavy. Very boxing heavy. That, That wasn't... You know, in I know we're talking MMA, but that that fight specifically was more so a a heavy boxing fight with a few kicks from Rory's side. Mm-hmm. But bro, we saw at the end that I think Robbie took the W. One hundred percent, yeah, he did. That's how he won the belt. Yeah, facts. And to win the belt off of that type of fight, bro, is your legendary lip, shit. With your lip fucking split, covered in blood. That actually probably put a lot of people away from the sport. When I saw that shit, I said, nah, this is 100% what I got to get into. I got to keep watching exactly. this. Exactly. Um, it was astounding to see. And not the only... great thing about that fight, it was not one-sided. Or, like, every round could be, it was very close. Each man was doing their, their work, and that's where the conditioning and the mind really comes into play because you could see Rory McDonald, all respect to him, you could see the part where he broke. Yeah, you did. And Robbie got hit with the same amount of pressure and power in that fight, too, and he did not break. And that's that. That's what makes a champion a champion, you know? Yeah, it's really he his his mentality, especially during that fight, is shined. And, you know, Robbie did, you know, he has split his lip amongst more bruises and stuff. But, you know, shout out to Rory because he started... He was basically fighting at least two rounds with a broken nose. Oh, like, 100%. A real broken nose. His nose was fucked. It's it's a great fight for anybody who wants to just see a great fight. Go watch that and really reflect upon the real fighting at hand. You know, the strength it takes to go five, five rounds. And if Rory didn't succumb to the pain... Then it might have been a different champion. I'm not sure, but I'm still going to side with Robbie mm-hmm. because that was just a different beast, man. Yeah, and and yeah, it, it changed the trajectory of both of those men's careers because Robbie was one of the you know the originals in the UFC, like one of those big stars, you know. The original. And a lot originals. of those guys didn't really get to the top, and he did. 
And we got we to gotta remember fucking Rory McDonald was touted as the next GSP. He was coming out of TriStar Gym and he was getting touted as the next big thing who could mix it up in all these ways. And he was going to be the next GSP in a way. That's what people were trying to say. And the trajectory of both their careers went a completely different way after that war. Because a war can change everything in somebody's career. And, OD. Um, yeah, all respect to Rory. I'm pretty sure he still won something in Bellator. Uh, and he hung, out, he hung out there for a while, you know. He's always going to be a legend in the sport. But, yeah, it's that's the type of sport we're in, bro. That's the thing that we watch. That's It's ups and downs, and that's what happened that night. Nah, for sure. You know, another point that my boy made, fighting, especially in the cage, MMA-wise, or any type of fighting style, it really takes that one punch, that one kick, even, you know, that one wrong grapple move, it's over. So, you know, it takes it takes a lot for somebody to step in the ring knowing that you could lose at any moment but still prevail. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that should be more looked upon in the fighting world. Yeah, and that's why you can't. You can't comment on this sport the same way you comment on um, different professional sports like, you know, basketball, football, or anything like that. Fighting is a completely different thing. Even boxing. Boxing, there's more room for mistakes than there is in MMA. Um, OD. Because in boxing, you could make a mistake. You're still getting hit with 10-ounce gloves. You know, you, you could keep going, but... Sorry for the uh, technical difficulties, but we're back. Rory McDonald... Versus Robbie Lawler. Stellar fight. Yeah. All time for, I, th- I think anybody in the sport all time, one of the bloodiest fights of all time. And huh. I mean, anybody will put that in their list, you know? Beautiful. And when you asked me the question of what my favorite fight would be, I was going to take something easy as well. I was, I, was, I was thinking about it. But then when I started analyzing this fight card, I thought, you know what? Let me throw somebody that I'm going to watch this week into this, you know? Okay. So instead of the easy pick of John Jones, Alexander Gustafson one, I'm going to go with actually probably an easy choice again. Zhang Wei Li versus Yoana and Jaychik one. In my opinion, actually, I don't even think this is my opinion. I think this, this should be undisputed. The best woman's fight of all time. For sure. I'm a hundred percent giving it that. Um, we have seen quick knockouts in women's boxing. We have seen amazing things. I mean, uh, MMA. We have seen amazing things in women's MMA. But this, for sure, greatest war, greatest, I, in my opinion, greatest fight in women's history. Greatest fight? And it was a macho. Mm-hmm. Uh, a macho. 100%. I, in my opinion, you're one-on-one. I'm not mad at it if somebody picks it to, for uh, Zhang Wei Li. But, yeah, I think that um, it was a great fight with great stakes on the line. And the fact that it went to decision actually made it better. You know, if there was a finish in that fight, I just wanted to see, I wanted to see it keep going, you know. I just wanted to keep seeing it going. That fight, did it, I can't really remember too much, but it went five rounds? It went five rounds, and it was a split decision win for Wei Li. You know, that's the other thing with the UFC that you can't, you know, I guess with any fight they say, you can't leave it in the judge's hands mm-hmm. because you don't know what, like, what are they perceiving, you feel me? 
we never know. Yeah, and I, I see the I see the point for Whaley's win because of course the judges can't count how many strikes were thrown around. They could only go off of optics and Yoana's face started, I don't know if you remember this. Yo, that was her a fucking bulge. head blew up because she had a that... hematoma on her forehead. And by the end of that fight, she looked very, very disfigured. Her head grew probably two times the size of her head. But the thing is, as we have seen in the past, a fighter's uh, potency to take damage in terms of how it looks on their skin oftentimes doesn't affect the fight. We've seen GSP look like a fucking bruised apple after a fight, just look completely disgusting and still win a fight, you know? Mad fighters. Yeah, 100%. It all depends on, you know, just how damage looks on somebody's skin. But, yeah, yeah, it was a super close fight. I thought Ioana outlanded her in every round, unless it was even. And the hematoma kind of overrated the damage. And she was still landing effectively. But at the same time, Whaley did her thing. And Whaley has kind of carved a, a way for her to become a strawweight goat, just like uh, Ioana is. I do believe Ioana is a strawweight goat. She has the six title defenses. And until somebody beats that, I don't see anybody above her right now. Ioana, she has a great fighting style. And when I saw her intro to the UFC and every match until she became champion, and even championship fights, her fundamentals are so solid. Mm -hmm. She throw a punch. She already knows how to counter and slip and then hit you one-two kick. You know, it's... Her, her talent is just ingrained in her now. You feel me? Mm-hmm. It's it was just a, straight. Yeah. It was a pure white side base with amazing takedown defense, and it took her to the very top. It definitely did. Yep. And, you know, shout out to Zhang Weili, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she has her own fundamentals, and she has willpower on her side. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And especially... In the women's division, that I would say nine times out of ten, a woman's fight is as beasty or more beastier than a men's fight. If yeah, I think that at the definitely at the top, a hundred percent. I think that there is still a gap in a lot of the women's divisions in terms of the top three, top five, and the rest of them, but. When two girls come to scrap, the fact that they don't have uh, as much power as a man to finish the fight, you get a longer fight and sometimes even a more technical fight, which is what I love to see. And this is the perfect example of that. Both these women took each other's shots and it was very good technical shots and they just kept throwing them, you know, and that's what you want to see. I love that it was a five round fight. Um, I enjoy five round fights that are like this. And they really stole the show that night because they were actually the co-main to that fight card. I believe uh, Adesanya fought Yoel Romero that night. And we know what oh. kind of snooze fest that was. <sighs> but luckily, we got this right before that. And Yeah, Yoana uh, was the headline. That was an insane fight, 100%. That was, you know, beautiful, beautiful styles. The Muay Thai was stellar. But, okay. So... Moving on from, you know, some of our favorite fights, we're going to talk and recap the past card, the most recent card, 292. 292, as a card, I would like to say it was a beastie card, 
but it wasn't one of the beastiest ones we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have to rate that card on a scale of one to ten, I'm probably going to give it a seven point five to eight. That's crazy. I, I had the same. I had the same idea about it. Say that you see, brothers think alike. Uh-huh. And now, let's go to the card. We're going to start off from the early prelims. Uh-huh. Everybody, back out your phones, back out the technology, and let's do the play by plays. <laughs> All right. So the first fight we have is uh, Karina Silva versus um, Marina Maroz. Okay. And these first two fights um, on the early prelims, they're pretty similar because we have two very strong. Very uh, technically sound Brazilian woman coming in and basically dominating the girls that they're fighting. In the first fight, we have uh, Karina Silva coming in. And you could just tell that Marina Moroz was taking her time. She was trying to walk her down. But every time they got close, she just didn't have any answers for her. Silva was stronger and more effective. When she landed, you could tell that Moroz was feeling the pain a lot more than when she was landing on Silva. And first round, as soon as uh, Silva had a chance, she put that Brazilian jiu-jitsu work in, got her to the ground, and submitted her with, I think, like two seconds left on the clock, which I'm you know, sure for Marina Moroz is very disappointing, the fact that she could have held in there for two rounds because she tapped. She did not go out. She tapped. And that must be very tougher. Yeah, you know, any any fighter that taps or gets submitted, especially close to the end of a round, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, that puts your mental state in a different in a different situation. But that's where the conditioning comes in. That's where the real mentality comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, but what I would say though is for the past women's fights, especially in that card and uh some of the past ones is that I do see the Brazilian woman in the women's division. Like they're, they're really pushing. Mm -hmm. They're not losing almost all the Brazilian women I've seen in the cards and like maybe two or three cards before they've been winning. So Brazil might just have a, I won't say in the near future, but like they might just take a championship. I mean, Brazil has a very rich fighting history. And what I've noticed about not just Brazil, but a lot of foreign uh, women that come into fighting, I think that they are training with men. And I think that they are training. There is no, um, I'm sure there is a difference, of course, but I think that in other countries, especially Brazil, which has such a, uh, honestly, foundation in MMA itself, they do not distinct the men with the women too much. I see these women coming in very technical. And very, they fight very similarly, uh, you know, hook combos, uh, strong kicking base with obviously usually a jiu-jitsu black belt. Yeah. Um, they're training with the likes of Charles Oliveira, you know. They're training with these Brazilians who have their style, the shoot box style, which is throw your fucking head into the flames, throw your combo in, and if you can, get the takedown. And it's a great style. And these women are implementing it very well. So when we see them fight these American women, sometimes I don't want to talk bad, but I don't know about the gym situation is for some of the females here because it does seem like they are not putting in the amount of work as these women right here, these foreign women, especially the Brazilian women. 
No, I totally agree that on the America side of women's championship, we got to definitely put on more and perform more. Whether that be, you know, you are squared off with men or, you know, square off with women, but we need to see that that beast inside of you. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we have like... some outliers, you know, we have some we have some uh women on the come up now too, and obviously some former champs. We had Ronda Rousey, you know, we have Holly Holm, uh, we have uh Miranda Maverick coming up, Macy Barber, but these seem like outliers now, and we're seeing a a, a lot of the offshore women coming in and just their first couple fights, they're just going crazy. They're going ham. Bro, they're they're dominating. Mm-hmm. And not just like dominating, they're you know dominating with like five exclamation marks after their name. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's nice to see. And you know, that's that's my take on the Brazil fighters coming in, especially the woman division. I see something that could potentially be great for Brazil with them. Yeah, and so we go right into the next fight, which again is uh Natalia Silva, Brazilian fighter, against Andrew Andrea Lee. Um, American fighter, and uh, this was a this one three rounds, but uh, Natalia Silva put the works on Andrea Lee. Uh, she has a strong type on doe base, uh, and you Beautiful. can tell she's very athletic. All the strikes were thrown very effectively, and you could just see Andrea Lee got cut up, I believe, in the first round, and and she never caught up after that. She was trying, but the combos of Natalia Silva. And just the strength of her kicks, her kick game. She was playing out there. She was throwing spinning shit, you know. She was throwing <laughs> fucking wild head kicks, you know. She was doing whatever she wanted there. And, um, yeah, some of these women have to catch up. Yeah, not, not for sure. I say just women, but listen. On both sides, on both sides. On both women, sides. You got to put up the game a little more on the America side. Mm-hmm. And I see that voted decision, and it seemed that all the judges unanimously voted for Natalia Silva. Mm-hmm. So she was putting in that work. That's where you get when one fighter overworks the other. This is where you get that decision. And so, as I said, you know the Brazil fighters—they're putting on, they're performing, even if it's going three rounds. They're in it until the end. Yeah, I never saw any threatening position for Natalia Silva. She was, in a way, playing with her food. Um, I don't want to disrespect any fighters when I come on here, but there no, was... No disrespect. There was levels to this, and she was on a different level. You know, yeah, exactly. That's the game of, of fighting MMA. You know, there's there's going to be levels, tears, and just if you guys, you know, if you hear her say something kind of crazy towards a fighter or about a fighter... And especially to the fighters listening, it's no disrespect, no hate. We're just telling the truth about what we're seeing, and we'll give you that constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. But there's no hate. We love all fighters. Anybody that chooses to to pick this sport to be their sport, undefined attention. Jump into the other early prelim. Yeah, Andre had... Petrosky versus Gerald Mearshart. So uh, GM3, you know, a fucking longtime vet of the UFC. I think he has probably one of the highest submission rates in middleweight. I'm pretty sure. He might, he might be number one. I, I forgot. But um, he's pretty high up there. Okay. Um, 
versus Andre Petrosky. I believe he's a tough winner. Or no, I think it was Dana White's contender series. I think he won his fight there. He's a strong, he has a strong wrestling base. And um, what I've noticed in his last couple of fights is he tends to gas out a little bit. So this yeah. was an interesting fight on the card because Gerald Mearshart, with that veteran experience, even though he's fighting a young up-and-comer, he might, you know, be able to wear him out a little bit, take him down. Obviously, with Andre Petrovsky trying to take him down as a wrestler, he could use his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu game to maybe catch a submission or just beat him on the feet. I agree. And on the first in the first round, that's what it seemed to um, to look like because Petrovsky was throwing bombs, but he was missing crazily. And uh, Gerald Mearshart was capitalizing here and there. But eventually, I believe the first round, you probably still give it to Petrovsky. But Gerald Mearshart was getting his momentum. Second round probably goes to Gerald Mearshart, in my opinion. But he couldn't capitalize on the opportunities he was given. And eventually, Petrovsky dumped him on his butt. And as many wrestlers do to jiu-jitsu guys that are comfortable off their back, they just lay on him, ground yeah. and pound for the rest of the round. And uh, Petrovsky got the win and a decision. You know, I think my boy perfectly told you about that fight. I really have nothing to say on that fight. Shout out to Andre for taking the dub. But Gerald, you know, you need to capitalize. Yeah, that's that's basically how it went. Um, I mean, and it's good to see that Petrovsky has uh, his gas tank seemingly uh, under work right now because he did manage to last for three rounds, and it didn't seem like he had fallen off too much by the third round. Amazing. Now let's yeah. jump in to the prelims, and we're going to start off with Brad Katona versus Cody Gibson. Mm -hmm. Tough finalist. I honestly didn't expect this fight to go this well because I'm not going to lie to you. I have not been watching tough. I haven't watched this. Uh, maybe I, yeah, same. I haven't watched tough in a, in a minute. I was excited for the McGregor to come back and versus Michael Chandler, but honestly, their styles of coaching and personality, honestly, they did not match up. You know, nah. <laughs> Conor McGregor is all about that disrespect now. And <laughs> Michael Chandler is just too nice of a guy. He's too busy complimenting you to, you know, tell you to fuck off. So, honestly, the season wasn't that interesting. And Conor McGregor was getting his ass whooped on the fucking tough side because all yeah, his fighters were getting beat by the veterans that Michael Chandler had. But this fight actually came to surprise me a lot. It was a very good fight, in my opinion. And it's one of my uh, favorite fights of the card. Interesting. So, you know, I saw... Brad pop out, Cody pop out. What I would say is from the jump, like Brad was definitely applying, I won't say applying more pressure, but it seemed it was more so Cody was fighting in his ring. You feel me? Cody was fighting. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I understand. He was fighting in his ring. Now, what I would say, my only critique for that fight is like as you said before the capitalizing i feel like there was a couple moments especially in like the second and third round where where brad could have capitalized and finished him off 
but maybe you know that's also just to Cody's strength. You know, he he has a lot of endurance because both fighters were you know they were taking a beating. Mm-hmm. Their combos were landing. No, a hundred percent. I think the way these guys were fighting, actually, uh, Gibson was pretty big. He's pretty big for that bantamweight division, and he was fighting Katsona yeah. on his just how you said in his own element. If I was the coach of Gibson, I would probably tell him keep it at the range because he was landing beautiful one twos, and if he just got out of the pocket, I think he could have won this fight easily. But I the agree. Thing is he was fighting Katona's fight, just like you said. They were in a phone booth almost the entire fight, and I, honestly, they were fighting complete opposite styles to each other that I think <laughs> they should have. Katona, as a shorter man, should have been pressuring Gibson and landing all those body shots. One thing he was doing was landing those hooks, but they were counter hooks. He wasn't yeah, they leading were. the dance. He was leading the dance from behind. Gibson was applying pressure and staying in range for him to get basically hooked to death the entire fight. <laughs> um, but yeah, from the fight, uh, what I really noticed was both men were landing really good shots. Um, so both are very skilled. Um, it was quite a slobber knocker of a fight. It was very. It was these men were trying to. They were trying to put each other out. I don't think it was for lack of trying. Yeah, no, they they definitely they had the intent. I saw the intent. Mm-hmm. And Katona, after analyzing his style for a while, he kind of reminds me of the featherweight um, Josh Emmett. He reminds mm-hmm. me of bantamweight Josh Emmett. He's like a big. He's like a, a short guy for the division. Um, very hunched over, strong hooks. Maybe a more effective Josh Emmett, especially off the counters. And his gas tank and the technique really won the fight for him. He managed to stay in there for a long time and really piece Gibson up with those uh, counters. Yeah, he did. You know, it was a it was a great fight. It was a really good fight, especially for a tough series ending. Beautiful fight. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to the other tough final fight that we had. Hollowball versus Austin Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Now, if I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Kurt was a veteran as well. Both of them, yeah, both of them are veterans. Yeah. But my boy, you've seen. Again, this was a situation that I seen. Austin was trying his hardest, but Kurt was really, he had it was his ring. Mm-hmm. You know, he came in with that calm, cool collectiveness. But when he decided to throw his shots and take his takedowns, I think he did that beautifully. Yeah, he was very effective with his striking. He took, like, I would say the first round, Austin Hubbard started very good. Um, He was applying pressure, but when Kurt Hollibaugh decided to apply his pressure, it was effective. And whoever you give that first round to, it was close enough. And, uh... Austin Hubbard definitely had some. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted Austin Hubbard to win this fight. Okay. I, honestly, I don't remember Kurt Hollibaugh as much as I do Austin Hubbard. I always thought Austin Hubbard had a little bit. Um, he kind of had everything. He kind of had everything in his game, but he hadn't figured it out completely when he was in the UFC. And I wanted to see him try again, and um, it was kind of unfortunate. But you know what? Kurt Hollibaugh really showed uh, levels on the ground. He and, did. Um, also, I want to shout out A Boogie. I seen him in the crowd. A Boogie was there? Yeah. 
A Boogie Yo. was definitely in Boston. I want to shout out A Boogie. Um, seen it during With the, the hoodie. Exactly. And uh, yeah, the finishing sequence in round two was actually very nice to see. Uh, Kurt, and, and just as you said earlier, in MMA, it'll be one mistake that finishes everything for you. Yeah, for sure. Austin Hubbard was getting pressured against the fence, and he tried to throw, I believe he tried to throw a knee or a teeth off his I back foot. I think it was foot, a knee. Off his back foot, and he tripped and fell. And that gave Kurt Hollibaugh the um, advantage. He took the back, which Austin Hubbard managed to change into a full mount. Yeah, he managed to change it into a full mount and actually managed to reverse uh, Kurt Hollibaugh. But during the reversal, Kurt Hollibaugh, who's a jiu-jitsu black belt, I believe, got an arm bar off the reversal and transitioned into a triangle, which is a beautiful sequence. It happened within, like, I don't know, a minute or two, and it was very nice to see. Um, it's just nice to see uh, effective grappling sometimes, you know? Effective grappling on both sides, because if I remember correctly, I believe one of Hubbard's way to get out of, you know, uh, what's his name again? Hollibaugh. Kurt's, uh, Kurt's uh, guard is where he did that rollout. Mm-hmm. Seeing that rollout, unfortunately, you know, the sequence happened to be in the favor of Hullabar. But it was a beautiful sequence. That's some, like, pure, you've been on drilling those sequences, knowing how to escape it. Yeah, it was beautiful and, to see, and he almost got out, too. He really almost got out. But Kurt Hullabar was just a little bit better that night, and that's what happens. Now, also, with that triangle choke. He did something on the triangle choke that I think I haven't really seen in a long time. Whereas not only did you put one foot over the other and and you know use that pull, but he also used one of his arms to help apply that pressure with his foot mm. to really make that tighter. And yeah. I feel a lot of fighters they don't utilize the arm in the triangle choke as much as they should. Mm -hmm. But it was nice to see that he was, you know, getting a little creative and trying to really, you know, end it. It's about finishing the fight. It's not about making it look pretty. And he understood understood the assignment. For me, that was great grappling sequence, great groundwork. Even fighting, when they were standing, they they held their own and, you know, they, they swapped punches. It was a good fight. Two veterans... Both knew what they were doing, and the better man just won. That's all. That's all it was. For me, now we could go on to the next fight: Gregory Rodriguez versus Dennis Tullin. Mm-hmm. Again, a Brazilian fighter, and he, you know, he, this man, he looks like he already has power. You know, a hundred percent. He's built. I would say, you know, he's he's durable. And we saw we saw that. We just saw the strength take over and, you know, really KO this man. Yeah, I mean, for a while, honestly, for the last couple of fights, I forgot that Gregory Rodriguez was a was a accomplished Brazilian jiu-jitsu player. Not um, same. Cause he's been getting into a lot of wars and he's been um showing the hands off a lot. I completely forgot this man. I, I needed to see it for myself. Was this a, a legitimate uh, jiu-jitsu belt, or was it he's Brazilian, so he has a black belt immediately? We see that happen a lot. Uh, we do. Some of these black belts really aren't black belts. 
Um, this guy, I believe, is really a black belt. He took him down with ease. Um, he switched over to side control very quickly and took full mount. Uh, as soon as Dennis Tululin tried to give him his back to try and get up, honestly, over. this is probably one of the, some of the most effective ground pound I've ever seen. This guy landed two shots and put this man to sleep. I I have never seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that. This man hit him with a short hook to the head, and I didn't know that this happened. I thought the ref just pulled him off. I'm like, what the hell happened? This man is sleeping. I don't yeah, know he how was. he did it, but that is very effective ground and pound. No. Yeah, man, the ground and pound one. You know, he Gregory came with that strength that I really wasn't, you know, just seeing those two fighters getting ready to fight. I wasn't expecting it to end like that. I'm gonna be very honest. I was expecting a little bit more of a war, but you know, I guess more to Gregory knowing that he didn't want to fight that war and he just really wanted to, you know, take him down and KO. Yeah, very good decision. Sean levels and yeah, easy win. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, now we're gonna go into one of the main fights of the prelim, which. <laughs> You know, it's a LOL because, um, <laughs> you know, we see Chris Weidman come back. And before we talk and give our thoughts upon this fight, let's address Chris Weidman as a whole as we know him. Mm-hmm. So, Chris Weidman, my fault, Weidman. I'm sorry I'm <laughs> fucking up your name. But, like, you feel me? That performance was kind of, kind of, you know, insulting to me. But, um... Chris Wyman, he was one of the first to help end, I guess, the Brazilian era in the UFC. Mm-hmm. And not only ended, he ended one of the top players for the Brazilians. One and of the GOATs, Anderson Silva. For me, he, he knocked him out, he did his thing, and all respect to him for doing that. But from there, you know, obviously we've seen that Chris Wyman did face a uh, really critical injury and a very critical injury in any sport if i'm gonna be honest once you break your shin there's you know you got to think about your life in a whole different way your whole way of life has to change to cater to your foot now Uh and then just to imagine that not only your life has to cater to it but in your sport of fighting, you have to find a different way to maneuver now. But to get into the fight we saw, you know, maybe it was some ring rust or maybe to me, what was the downfall, especially in this fight, was the ring rust, maybe a little bit of age and... You know, Chris Weidman to me was never one of those those fighters that, you know, come out to brawl or they come out with intentions to kill their their prey, you know. He to me, I think he treats every every fight like a sparring session. Mm. And it really it really showed me this past fight that, you know, to me it looked like that he just got paid to spar. But then, as we heard a little later, he took more injuries. So now it's like, bro, you know, I wanted you to win. I I wanted to see that comeback. But regardless of the foot being broken, your style 
still the same. And in this new UFC, you can't come in with that old type of style. Uh-huh. Yeah. He comes with a very old school wrestler, uh, like D1 wrestler type of style. Uh, a lot of double legs, you know, like real, all the strikings just to get into the double leg. A very, It's kind of like a, a clay guida type of style. Yeah, for sure. And now with the age, along with fighting one of the best takedown uh, defenders in the middleweight division in Brad Tavares, you're really not going to get that. Yeah, and, uh, and we saw that. You saw this the the couple moments where, you know, and to Chris Wyman, I understand you want to go for a single leg or double leg, but you got to disguise that shit a little mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. You know, you just went straight jab, wait two seconds, then all right, let me throw my whole body into this double leg. Yeah, but shout against out to the worst Brad. opponent to do it. Yeah, you know, um, like that's one thing Brad Tavares does have is fucking immaculate takedown defense. Um, round one, the leg work was uh, phenomenal, and it's on it's on the leg that Chris Weidman didn't break, but he might as well have broken that one too because his leg got fucked. Yeah, man. Um, round two, the leg failed. <laughs> the the leg kicks finally <laughs> happened. And he started, you know, really showing damage to that leg, and honestly, it should have been smooth sailing from there. But listen, Chris Weidman's not my favorite fighter to watch. I don't wish him ill will, but I'm not there to watch Chris Weidman. Shout out to Chris Weidman for the showmanship and staying in there. Because just like you said, he does have a very, um, let's say it's not a very violent style. He tried to dirty it up. When he had no chance anymore, he tried to dirty it up. He tried to apply pressure with the striking. After after a certain point, he he tried to stop wrestling. He was just trying to (laughs) scrap in there. So respect to him. Um, The showmanship was very funny. Uh, and yeah, I mean, simple fight for Brad Tavares and uh, good for Chris Weidman that he came back and he didn't really get destroyed. Was it an easy win? Yes, but uh, I don't know. I guess he showed up. He did. He did. You know, I'm not taking anything from you, Weidman. You did your thing. You lasted the five minutes. You know, you lasted every round. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but because as my boy said, bro, even I saw it. Your legs were fucked up but to brad you know i guess it's maybe wise wideman's durability but you know i would think that especially after i would say mid-second round i thought this fight was going to end in a tko to be uh-huh. honest yeah you know i didn't expect wideman to last especially three rounds this kind of parallels another fight on the card where there was an obvious uh, advantage for one fighter, and they just didn't seem to want to take it. Uh, we don't know why. We don't know if they don't have that ability or they just didn't want to do it. But, you know, a win's a win. If you want to yeah. have a really dominant win, maybe get your extra 50K, maybe move up in the rankings and popularity, you got to get that finish. These fighters decided not to do that, and um, I don't think Brad Tavares is really going to go far with this performance. Uh the other fighter might, but yeah. We'll see. We'll see what the future may hold for Brad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a win is a win. I respect it. Yeah, I respect it. Okay. Now let's go on to the main card. So, okay. First first fight off the card, we had Marlon Vero versus Pedro Munoz. Now, who did you think 
before we even were, who were you picking to win that fight? Uh, you know my, <laughs> I like Marlon Chito Vera. I like him. Same. I like very him. much. Same. Uh, I like his style at times. <laughs> I like his personality outside the ring, and I like the work he puts in. You know, but honestly, like a lot of fights that I see with Marlon Vera, I was nervous for this fight. I didn't. I I didn't want to choose against him because that always comes back to bite me. But uh, I thought Pedro Munoz, he has a very uh, volume-heavy style. He invests a lot, low kicks and whatnot. I think, I thought that, you know, uh, it was going to be a good close fight. And if Marlon Vera didn't apply pressure uh, quickly, because he usually is a slow starter, he, he has yeah, a very he good chance of losing the fight. And this is me saying yeah. it as a fan of Marlon Vera. You know... I agree with you totally that he, he's a slow starter. And definitely as the rounds pick up, he picks up. But especially for this fight, like when I saw the first round, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, this is a little spicy. It's a lot, it was action-packed. Every round was action mm-hmm. But I would say after the second round, I really didn't know who was going to win this fight. Uh-huh. Because, you know, they both were taking shots. They both, you know, I think Munoz was throwing a little more leg kicks. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you know, any fighter would know, or even if you're a novice to fighting, just imagine taking 20 leg kicks to your leg, bro. It's going to be same spot. In the same spot. That's, how, know, that's what people need to understand. It's the same spot. Someone's hitting you repeatedly in one part of your leg. 20 times bro your leg is gonna feel like jello yeah it's very it's very hard to explain but uh yeah it's not it's not a good position to be in you know i also thought that cheeto maybe would have like what if what if this fight ended in a ko i wanted that to happen i'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie i thought vera had a possibility in ending Pedro, but as we see, it went it went the whole rounds. Yeah, if anyone was gonna get finished in this fight, it was gonna be Paige Pedro. Um, I honestly, I was very shocked at the uh, results, uh, especially the fact that someone said thirty twenty seven. One of the judges, I think, Ooh. two judges gave it thirty twenty seven for Marlon Vera. Um, wow. Round two definitely goes to Pedro. Round one is close, but I also gave that to Pedro, and round three definitely goes to Cheeto. Yeah, for sure. And if he had applied that type of pressure the entire fight, I don't think, I think he could have finished the fight or had a, or it could have went 30-27 for him. But my main issue with uh, Cheeto, I love this type of fighting style, but it's made for five rounds. Yeah. And the decision for the UFC, there's obviously a little uh, history with Sean O'Malley and Marlon. Um, if you're going to try and put them against each other, why don't you give Marlon a five-rounder? Why did, why sure. wasn't this a five-round main event? I understand that it was a, a lot of changes in this fight. Um, I think Marlon was supposed to fight... Uh, wait, no. I think Pedro Munoz was supposed to fight... Uh, what's his name? The guy that Corey Sanhagen fought last week or two weeks ago. Something something like that happened. I understand that there were some last-minute changes, 
But if you want to sell Marlon Vera versus uh, Sean O'Malley, we need to see that as a five-round fight, and we need to see Marlon Vera in a five-round fight. Because if this was five rounds, seeing how the third round went, I would, I would, I think Marlon would have won. He probably could have finished it. No, same. We need to see, we need to see him in a five rounder because, as we already know, he he's very durable and he will go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. You know, and definitely before just throwing him into a championship fight, let it, let him test the waters himself in that five five minute five round fight. You know. It's not only for us to see, but we he needs to see it for himself too. Mm-hmm. Well, just, yeah, so. yeah, it's just the best way to sell a fight is if both of them got finishes, you know. But you know, it's still an interesting fight. I still want to see it, and most likely we're gonna get Marlon Vera versus Sugar Sean. So in a five rounder, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Now on to the next fight. We got Demon Blackshear versus Mario Batista. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts? Who you thought was taking that? Well, uh, honestly, I thought that it was a tough fight for Batista because he had been training to fight, uh, what's his name? Cody. Uh, what's his name? Damn. Cody who? Cody, Cody Garbrandt? Yeah, he was he was training to fight Cody Garbrandt. Thank you. Oh, wow. Um, Cody Garbrandt. What happened to, to Cody? Pull, I think he got injured. He had to pull out. Mm. And this was a last-minute replacement. Damon had fought a week before. He's a very pressure-heavy, strong wrestler, and you know, and he's pretty tall for the division. He's not really—he's kind of the opposite of what you were gonna get with uh, Cody. So, for sure, Mario Batista, respect for taking the fight. And honestly, the first round, the pressure from Blackshear—I thought he was gonna lose. I thought it was a bad okay. opponent for him, and it was not looking good because the wrestling was working for uh, uh, Blackshear. And yeah, it was a little nerve wracking to see. But um, round two, Mario Batista started getting that momentum back. He started landing crazy elbows in the clinch, uh, multiple very good elbows in the clinch. And he started showing his own wrestling, started wearing out Damon. Uh, who knows what would happen if he had time to prepare? You know, he's just coming off of a fight camp, uh, fought a week ago. But yeah, it was a good fight. Bautista kind of took from round two on. He just kind of started taking the energy out of Demon Blackshear uh, with the clinch work, the pressure. And he was landing good shots the entire time. So I think the right guy won. Uh, but Blackshear has a lot of potential. And he could really be a big problem for this division. I totally agree. He's definitely a big problem for the division. And, you know, with more fights, he'll get more experience. But... You know, props to any fighter, especially him, taking a a fight on very close notice, especially when you don't have that same time to prepare for the fighter you're fighting. Uh-huh. You know, it, it just takes a different type of person to do that. And Dana put some respect on his name because he took that fight a week before. Like, bro, yeah, pay, pay him his bag respectfully. Respect to he, both fighters for sure. OD. Okay, now okay, now we're going into another one of the main fights on the card that you know I was also looking forward to seeing how this was really gonna play out. Mm-hmm. And it was Neil Magny versus I and Gary. Okay, bro. So Neil Magny, 
he's a great fighter. He has, you know, he he will box up a little bit. He'll go on the ground a little bit. He's versatile. Mm-hmm. He has endurance. He has some durability. But in this fight, I've seen where his mentality stands. And after this fight, it kind of is making me look at Neil Magny in a different light. Okay. Because, you know, it was an exceptional performance by Ian Gary. Exceptional. You know, the dominance Gary had in that ring over Neil Magny was insane. Because I thought it might have been the other way around, at least a little bit. I see that. But one of the most points that got me tight and maybe look at Magny in a different light was where... Again, leg kicks were going crazy in this fight. Yep. And, you know, it's it's a rare case to see a fighter almost end a fight or end a fight TKO via leg kicks. Yeah, it's what I love to see. You know, and that also stresses on the importance of how effective a great leg kick can be. But also... Bro, what happened to Neil Magny, bro? I understand, you know, your leg is getting fessed up. You might drop here and there. But when I saw Neil Magny start from one side of the ring and scoot all the way over <laughs> to the other side, bro, I was like, nah, no way. Well, what no we've been way. with Neil Magny for a while now is he's very, um, I guess defensively aware, like he doesn't like putting himself in danger anymore. He likes to clinch a lot, uh, hold the clinch for a while, maybe some dirty boxing. It's not really what we are accustomed to seeing for a while. Um, But I guess he's just changed his style to be the most, I guess the safest style for him to win in a way. And um, yeah, I guess the rise of Ian Gary is very, um, very nice to see. I really don't know how to rate this guy. I don't know. <laughs> Since he came in, I just had, I, I didn't really have a clue because he's kind of, well, let me just go through the fight, right? Okay. The low kick, literally the first low kick he hit, uh, dropped Magny. Swept him. Uh, like immediately. So obviously his kicks are very effective. Um, I don't know if Magny, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's his legs, but literally the first kick, he was on his ass. First kick. Yeah. And I love to see the improvement of Ian Gary. Every single fight, he gets better and better. And his negation of the clinch from Neil Magny was amazing. Especially in the first round. The way that Neil Magny likes to get you in the clinch is he's a very rangy fighter. So he'll keep his hands out and try to grab your hand. So try to initiate a clinch just off very simple things like that. Whenever... Ian Gary would see that he'd hold Neil Magny's hand as far away from him as he could while holding on and then would push off. The way he broke that clinch was very nice to see and he just went back to putting in the work. The leg kicks, oh. the beautiful, the the use of the use of feints to, oh. to keep Neil Magny stagnant and then hit him was beautiful. He's a very beautiful fighter to watch. He's very, um, his style, I've said this a couple times now. I don't know if people understand what I'm trying to say here. His game reminds me of Wonder Boys. Not OD. Not, not that it's karate style. He's kind of like the Muay Thai Wonder Boy. 
in terms totally of agree. it's just so beautiful to watch. And I've I've said this to you before. Wonder Boy style to me is like a it's like watching that candle, like the flame of a candle. It's very pretty, it's very nice to see, and it'll burn you, you know what I'm saying? But it's it also, will. if you make a mistake, that candle will get lit out very easily. And we've seen that with Wonder Boy. Um, whether it be through wrestling or a lucky strike, you know, leg kicks to uh, Wonder Boy affect him a lot. Uh, just because of the karate style. And Ian Gary, we've seen him get dropped once. Yeah. But he came back and won that fight. So good for him. And I'm actually very excited that Ian Gary called out Wonder Boy because it'll be a great fight to see. And I, I was literally thinking about the parallels of them. And then he calls him out at the end of the fight. I was like, this is great. This is wonderful. I'd love to see this. You know, Ian Gary, to me, with more fights he gets, the better he will become. Mm-hmm. Not saying he's not. Like, he's he's great right now, as we've seen by this performance. And now but he's top 11 at welterweight. I just don't know. Exactly. You know, but back to just the, the emphasis I, maybe his I think his corner should have just told him like yo bro you're you could win you're gonna win and you should should take this win by your own hands and really make it happen by just letting off the combo one two front kick one two back kick you know mm-hmm. just keep the after every hands you throw follow up with the leg kick because Neil Magny I would say even from the second round he, you know, it was looking kind of dental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was and, he was done from the second round, honestly. You know, and then we see the moments where Ian Gary, you know, they're they're in the clinch, or they're almost right next to each other. But Ian Gary's just applying that pressure, and you see Neil Magny run back to the cage like the cage is gonna help him. Uh huh. And it didn't. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then back to the scooting, bro. That scooting really pissed me off, bro. <laughs> to be honest. I'm I never like to see like I understand if the fighter is right up or standing maybe like one, two lengths away. Okay. You trying to hit him with the takedown, grab him with the leg. All right, cool. But for one man to scoot from one side to the other <laughs> multiple times, bro. Like I know Ian Gary was tight, bro, because even he was like, yo, nah, get up, bro. Just get up. Yeah, and and at that point in time, I you know I understand you have your own game plan as a fighter. Your coach might be telling you, "Yo, bro, you know if you stand up with him more, it you know you might really lose by light kicks." But at the same time, what you know, I just feel like that's a downgrade for Magni. You feel me? Yeah, I think that there was a a version of Magni from a couple years back that would throw himself into the fire a little bit more. And that's what he had to do to try and initiate the clinch, maybe a takedown because the clinch wasn't working, and see what he could do on the ground. He did not do that effectively, and he just got pieced up. And one thing I would say a negative about Ian Gary, not a fully a negative, but a little bit of a criticism, is um, mm-hmm. he should work on his finishing a little bit more. Oh, dude. That's one what... big difference between Wonderboy and him, I would say, is that when Wonderboy has you hurt, he will jump into the fire a little bit. And he doesn't do it recklessly. He does it in a very smart way. I saw Ian Gary begin very uh, smart and then make some bad decisions when he had Neil Magny hurt in the third round, especially. Same. Um, when he when he had him rocked, he shouldn't have kept trying to blast the head with his hands. He should have 
brought some shots down to the body, which I've seen him do. Um, yeah, if you're going to finish the guy, you've been fighting smart the entire fight. Get smart there. Hit a couple shots to the body and finish him off at the head because he could have absolutely done that. But still, amazing performance. He dominated. And um, I'm very excited to see Ian Gary, even though I don't know if he could become a champion or anything like that. It's very fun to see. And I'm excited to see more. Now, he's he's a great fighter. I honestly, you know, I didn't know what to expect when I saw those two paired up, like how their interaction would really be. And after seeing this fight, it definitely ups my my hopes for I and Gary. Mm-hmm. But let's get into the co-main event. And again, to our point where the women's fight, especially the women who really fight, their the intensity they bring, knowing that they might not be able to knock out their opponent, but they're still gonna they're gonna try their best to draw blood out of their opponent. Uh-huh. These are two you women just like that here. And Zhang Wei Li versus Amanda Lemos. Now we already know Zhang Wei Li is a beast. She's a monster. But you know, to the Brazilian side. Amanda Lemos, you know, she lasted the whole five rounds. Mm-hmm. And this was also a very bloody war. It wasn't even like, you know, one was like laying on top the other for a good three rounds or, you know, take up time aimlessly. The whole time there was just pressure. Yeah. You know, and shout out to Zhang Wei Li. You know, maybe there were some times that she could have finished her because if I do remember, I think Amanda got rocked a little bit, a little bit. No, a hundred percent. She could have finished her. I think, I don't know. Maybe she was just playing it safe, you know, but uh, I thought Amanda Lemos was in danger a lot of times in this fight. Um, And, but the whole fight is just a credit to Zhang Wei Li though. Hold because... on one second, my boy. Zhang Wei Li had thrown 150 head strikes and landed 106. Mm-hmm. And then total strikes, Zhang Wei Li threw 358 strikes and landed 296. Yep. I want and then Amanda Lemos had landed total strikes uh 29 out of 68. Because Zhang Wei Li is ever evolving, and I have to give her respect. Um, as a as a proud Polak, I have a bias against anybody that's fought Yuan and Jacek. But now that she has retired, Zhang Wei Li is probably one of my favorite fighters in the strawweight, um, if not my favorite. And she is ever improving. It's beautiful to see. She came into the sport pretty late. Um, I've always seen on her um, come up, she had the ability to take women down just off her sheer strength, but she couldn't really hold them there that well. Uh, she obviously has the power to knock these girls out. She has very good technique. But the way she dominated a woman that has a couple submissions in her record, you know, um, a dangerous, strong Brazilian woman, uh, he, she, she did her thing. And the way that she kept her on the ground and the way she shot her shots from the ground is very good to see. She didn't just lay there. Um, she's building a really good resume. And... That's four title defenses now, you know? 
Uh, Four I great title defenses. The only issue with her resume is that at any point, Rose can decide to sh- not be scared of fighting anymore or humans or whatever the hell she's scared of. <laughs> and she can come back and say, yo, I beat this woman two times. You know, doesn't matter how close the second fight was. she It's on the record. I beat this woman two times. So if Zhang Weili could get that back and probably get one more defense in, she is she's at GOAT status in Strawweight. For sure. You know, Zhang Weili, especially during that fight, is where, well, in all her fights, you know, she's, you know, only a couple of fighters I could really say are blessed. Blessed might be the wrong word, but most of her fights have been intense fights where, you know, your skill and endurance has to prevail. Mm-hmm. And this fight was one where you see how her skill is is helping her dominate. Yeah, 100%. You feel me? And Rose, I want to see Rose come back. But the only thing really hindering Rose is herself. Yeah. In reality, you know, I also don't know what, you know, if she's afraid of damage or afraid of whatever you're afraid of, Rose. We could work on it. Hit me up. Because you, you're a beast. You got, you got the potential. You feel me? You have the energy. But you know, whatever is mind blocking you right now, whatever, whoever's mind fucking you, you gotta tell them to stop and just keep pushing. But back to Zhang Weili. You know, incredible fight, especially for a woman's fight. Seeing this go the distance and seeing they're both bloodied and battered, bro. That. Like, that revived this card for me. You feel me? Mm. Especially after the Neil Magny seeing Zhang Weili put in that dominant performance. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. It was a good fight. Um, yeah, she's just... She's she's cementing herself in that division. And I really, at this point, I don't see who's who could beat her. Rose, obviously, is a dark horse or whatever, but... Uh, what's her name? Tatiana Suarez... She's one of those traditional American wrestlers. She's a very big girl. But I think Zhang Weili, the way she uh, gets better every single fight, uh, she probably keep her off her. Definitely beat her on the striking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think the next fight might be it's either Tatiana Suarez or the other Chinese um, strawweight fighter. I forgot her name. Uh, but I don't see any of these girls really beating them, beating her. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they can. Yeah, I think Zhang Weili might go down undefeated championship-wise until we see Rose or another competitor come out and, you know, square off. Yeah, Just... from what I see now, yeah. That I, I don't see who can who can do it. And especially with Rose's mind frame, wherever it is. Um, I don't know if she's getting better all the time. Zhang Weili is getting better every fight. Every fight, bro. Mm-hmm. All right, so now to the main event on the card. Aljamain Sterling versus Sean Sugar O'Malley. Okay, so we all know Aljamain Sterling. Mm-hmm. If he, he, his partner is Chris Weidman, right? No, uh, they used to train together. Chris Weidman moved to, um, I think, South Carolina. Uh, so he's not there anymore, but they, they are, they're close. I'm sure they're close. 
okay. You know, I when I saw Aljamain Sterling first pop off on the scene, I wasn't a hater. I liked him. You know, it was nice to see somebody come up and, you know, try to do his thing. And then I can't really knock him because he made his way to champion. But, like, this fight, I was kind of scared for both fighters. Because Sean, you know, Sean O'Malley, all we've seen from Sean is, you know, really just be that striker. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, Aljamain Sterling, I'm like, just from jump, if you watch both of them side by side, Aljamain looks heavier, looks a little more stronger than Sean. Yeah. I don't know if that's due to, you know, how ripped he is, but he just looks stronger. And also with that, you know, Aljamain, we saw his ground game. He has a little bit of a ground game. Very good. One of the best back takes in the business. He could do it. So, you know, on FanDuel, yo, shout out FanDuel, <laughs> sponsor the kids. I'll put a dollar on Sean O'Malley. You know, I just went with faith there. This was one of the fights where I wasn't going to be mad who wins or who lost because it was either ending in a KO or, like, whoever is losing lost in a crazy fashion. Yeah. But... Let's talk about what are your what are your thoughts on Aljamain Sterling before we get into Sean? What are your thoughts um, on Al? Aljamain? I mean, he's he's always been able to mix it up very well, even on the feet. I I, I really like anybody that can work around themselves, their own uh, pitfalls or their own strengths, and really build a game around it. You know, uh, Aljamain is not the most powerful guy. He is a good wrestler, but he's not even the best wrestler. But he managed to get the best parts of his game crafted into a perfect thing for himself, you know. All of his striking is very uh, outlandish in a way. His kicks, he he uses his kicks a lot as like kind of like jabs, like range finders, just to score points too, you know. And then when he gets in, it's mostly just to get close and try to take the back. Or if he's going for the takedown, either way, he's going to try and get take your back, you know, because um, that's probably his strongest position in jiu-jitsu, and he knows how to use it well. So I'm always going to respect somebody that fights that, you know, that learned how to learn how to use their own bodies and their own capabilities. Um, I was a little frustrated with the first Piotr Jan fight. Same. Piotr Jan put the whooping on him and... Um, Honestly, <laughs> yeah, it kind of changed his career. The second loss to um, to Aljamain Piotr's career has just been kind of messed up ever since then. But I can't hold that against him. He won the second fight. He uh, did. Clearly. So it is what it is. As whatever, whatever words you want to describe that fight as, he did what he had to do. Then he goes and beats TJ Dillashaw. You know, that's a great fucking win. He beat Corey Sanhagen on the way up. And I thought he was going to – I'm not going to lie here. I saw fucking Piotr Jan take Sugar Sean down, bro. Piotr Jan is not a wrestler. He's not. He's a great all-around fighter. He has great trips, uh, great wide tight clinch work to get you to the ground too. But he will piece you up. Yeah. Piotr Jan, one of my favorite fighters. But I saw him take Sugar down. I thought that Aljamain was going to put the pressure on. 
uh, and eventually just take the back. You know, I also saw that. I thought Al would at least, I thought, you know, I had faith in Sugar stuffing maybe like a couple takedowns, two, three, maybe a handful, but I definitely thought that Al was definitely going to have Sugar on the ground for at least some point in the fight. Yeah, and I, after, oh, after seeing Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo, this man took down a gold, uh, a gold medal winner, Olympic winner. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I did not have faith in Sugar's uh, takedown defense at that point. I like Sugar. Uh, I just didn't. I, I, I only saw one way of him winning, and that's the way he won. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was great to see though, because you know. Aljo, he had plans on going up to featherweight. If he won this fight, he would have basically left it uh, in a bad spot if he beat Sugar and just left, you know. Uh, it's good for the UFC. And the way he did it was absolutely astounding. I think the way Sugar moved around in the fight, first round, he really made sure that there would there wasn't any attempts on him until the very end. And, you know, yeah. So this all comes back to the fighters having their game plan. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Al, his coaches, I hope the game plan that, you know, it wasn't really to try to strike with Sugar, but, you know, let us see that takedown. But, like, all all I can say for Sugar is bro really came in he made sure to stay well he tried his best to keep the distance and that you know whenever he was pushed for a takedown you know try to stuff it and you know he stayed away from that yeah and mostly but, through movement too that's the that's the thing that really impressed me the lateral movement on him to get out of any compromising position was good to cut those angles. You got to be able to cut those angles to really prevail in the UFC. Finding out later that this man had a rib injury his entire camp, Sugar. It's crazy. He said he wasn't grappling for like six weeks. Exactly. So that just, but you know what? That's an old school type of game plan. He's not going to take me down. You know? Yeah. He manifested it. He did it. and But it worked. It, 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 it worked <laughs> it amazingly. Worked. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, and let's just talk about it now. The KO that Sugar really did himself, that was one of the most beautiful right hands I've had the pleasure of seeing. Because, you know, again, where we say where you got to capitalize, you know, not a lot of fighters could capitalize in moment. And when we saw that replay happen and, you know, you see Al after he threw his, was it a right hand as well, or was it a jab? I think it was a right hand. Yeah, I think it was a right. He overextended. Yeah, he overextended. You know, maybe... And he had his eyes know. closed. That's the craziest part. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the punch you don't see, and he had his eyes closed, man. Yo, he threw that right hand, overextended. Then you see Sugar back out a little bit to escape that over right hand, like he should. Mm-hmm. But instead of, like, fully backing up and creating the distance, he capitalized on that moment, mid-moment, where you see him just close his hand and throw that right hand. Yep. And, 
you know, I heard it. I heard it. I heard the sound happen. You feel me? You heard that punch just really hit that man's jaw, and he dropped him. Yeah, that and, instant. And very good that he um he kept the pressure on too, because as he I, should. That did rock Aljo very badly, but I think he could have recovered if he hadn't if if Sugar hadn't put the ground and pound on him the way he did. Those were good shots. Uh. It's a good thing that he did that because if he didn't, he, he that you know that could have been the fight for him. Okay, so uh, we will we'll talk about the ending of the fight now, where you know some people may say that you know the ref could have let it go or the ref shouldn't have stopped it. What do you, what is your side on that? Um, I'm usually on the side of you know, especially if it's a title fight, just let it, just let the guy just go like full on dead you know <laughs> but <laughs> but honestly bro the the way he dropped from the first shot and the type of shots that sugar was landing those were those were hard shots and i see if i was the ref i would have let like maybe two or three more go in but i think it was getting there i think it was no, getting it there. definitely it wasn't was good, it wasn't good signs i wasn't mad at it if you're the fighter that's getting you know beat i see why you'd be mad at it you think you could you could recover. I don't know if he could have. Nah, same. Uh, you know, the ground and pound, that that skill of just as soon as you knock him down, you still go after to get that finish. Sugar had that. Mm-hmm. And that definitely added to Al's being a little rocked. Because even in those ground and pound shots, some were getting through. Yeah. He was almost teeing off on his head. And Sugar has such long arms to that division, like... Yeah, he, he does. was hitting him with strikes that I wouldn't think would be possible from Aljo's back. Like Aljo had his legs up in the air and he was still just looping the hand over the leg and hitting him in his head. So I don't see where the better position would have been uh, for him to to get out of that position. I think, yeah, it was a little early, but it wasn't like terrible. It, you know, shout out to the ref, you know. My stance is, if you're not Herb Dean, I fuck with you. <laughs> Herb Dean, you know, we got to talk it out because there, there's some there's some stuff that need to be hashed out. But, yeah, man, so it was a great fight, stellar fight. That KO was one of the cleanest KOs I've ever seen. It was that great. right hand was flush. For the moment, for the, for the belt, too. That's what really oh, made it, phew. like, the most, uh, the, the biggest thing, you know? I really like the the moment that that was in. It was very perfect timing, you know. And I'm I really hope that he does fight uh, Marlon Vera after this. I think that most of the other challengers he has in that division is going to be very tough for him. Uh, I and I think Marlon Vera would be a tough fight too. But I I think it will be a more it will be a more fun fight for the fans and probably for him, you know, to strike and fight. And we get to see uh, an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. Cheeto has the great defense, but we haven't seen it really get broken in that way. Let's see if Sugar can do it. You know, I honestly, I'm a, you know, it's very hard to pick a favorite between Cheeto and Sugar now. So I'm not, I'm not even gonna go there. Mm-hmm. But if I am going there, I'm probably gonna bet another dollar on Sugar because that finishing was so clean, bro. Mm. Like I, I was sitting down on my couch, had had a blast in my TV on like twenty five, and it was beautiful. 
And then, as as you said, to hear that Sugar had not grappled, had not done any groundwork before this fight. Even coming into a fight with a rib injury is crazy. Yeah. Because, you know, Al could have just, you know, slipped and thrown one body hook before a takedown. And that it could have it hurt. Especially seeing that Aljo's number one attack on the ground is a triangle, a body triangle, bro. Imagine a body triangle on a broken rib. Oh, my God. Oh, that, that's a different type of pain right there. 100%. You know, but shout out to Sugar. Shout out to Al, man. You tried. I know you do want to move up in division. And I'm going to be honest. Now that he's going to move up, it's... what he Do you think he would still have that same pressure he has? Or do you think... You know, it might be stuffed and he um, might fall to the ranking. I think either way, he would get a high person. He, he will he will get he would be pretty high in the division of featherweight. So. Um, but there's a lot of challenges in featherweight. Yeah. Uh, seeing how he doesn't really knock people out in bantamweight, we could say that his power isn't really. He has low power for bantamweight. I don't okay. see it getting higher at featherweight. And uh, featherweights are just bigger, stronger. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know, bro. I don't know. He put himself in a tricky situation with that. Uh he probably shouldn't have even mentioned going up until after the fight. Because now if he does want to go back to Bantamweight, it's like, oh, what did you say what about featherweight, you know? Sugar, I don't think Sugar's going to give him the rematch right away. So uh, now he's going to have to fight some contender or something, which is also a weird situation because he has Marab, his training partner, um, at the top of the division too, waiting for a title fight. So what are you going to do? Are you guys going to fight? You guys said you wouldn't, but I don't you know. You might have to now. They said they wouldn't. So now you're going to hold up the division even longer. You already beat Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen also is supposed to have a shot. It's just a clusterfuck now. And if he comes yeah. back, it's going to be a bigger clusterfuck. You know, it's really, it's really who Sean wants to fight right now. And until he puts out a contender, you know, I, I don't know who he will pick. To be honest, he's his own manager. So if I mean, he's, I think he, you know, I think the best choice is Cheeto. It's a good fight. Um, it'll. You know, it's a good defense to have if he wins. It's it's probably the best fight for him. Him, that, or Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen, is, I think, is a very tough challenge. You know, Corey Sanhagen is an extremely tough challenge. You know, I think, remember that fight you were telling me where he, he took most of the time wrestling and grappling? Yeah, Corey Sanhagen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was I his believe last fight. He, had a, he was also dealing with some injury. That's why he chose to only do groundwork. Yeah, but before that, when he fought Cheeto, he was also doing wrestling. It's it's very amazing to see a fighter basically learn a new skill like that late in their career and actually run with it, you know? Yeah. Most fighters, their takedown defense will get better if they're a striker or if they're a wrestler, their striking will get a little bit better. But to make it a main asset to winning two fights in a row now, it's wild. And if you are able to do that against Sugar, I just don't... I, I don't know Sugar's capabilities on the ground because he hasn't been tested there. So we don't really know. We don't. But as you said, either Cheeto or Cody, you know, Sugar, 
if you're listening in, these are some picks we would like to see. <laughs> but also, we're here for whatever your pick is. But yeah, you know, guys, this is, you know, Hot Box Heroes. We covered the main cards, some prelims, gave you some fave fights, and our thoughts and opinions upon other matters. So you got anything you want to tell to the fans, my boy? No, it's just uh, very exciting to be able to talk about this, and uh, I hope people keep tuning in. It's only going to get up from here. Nah, facts. So, y'all, keep tuning in. We're going to hit you every week with some more fight talks. So, you know, on Fridays, you're able to put in your fan duel bets. And, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for hopping on, my boy. And job bless. Be great.